Chapter Twenty Six of A History of Astronomy. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. A History of Astronomy by Walter W. Bryant. Chapter Twenty Six The Solar System. It may be as well at this point to refer once more to the subject of evolution touched upon in an earlier chapter and to indicate briefly some of the lines of conjecture whose consideration would have seemed premature before dealing with the planets themselves the researches of professor darwin in particular on tides and tidal effects supply possible explanations for many of the apparent anomalies of the system on the hypothesis of helmholtz now generally admitted that the sun's heat is maintained by very slow shrinkage in volume reasoning backwards through long eons suggests a time when the sun was enormously more vast in extent so that even apart from the nebular hypothesis the effect of solar tides was conceivably far greater than it is now but the direct effect of tidal friction on a rotating satellite is proved to be to retard the rotation until its period becomes equal to that of revolution this effect familiar in the case of our own moon and recognized in several other instances supplies a reason for some of the diversities of the planetary systems laplace's theory of portions of rotating nebula successively breaking off from the main body owing to the too great velocity required by gradual condensation of necessity involves the conclusion that the portions breaking off would at once rotate in the opposite direction the effect of tidal friction as pointed out by kirkwood would however in general speedily bring them to the state of always turning the same face to their primary thus making the motion of rotation direct though slow so that when the falling off of the tidal effect through shrinkage of the parent body permitted the rotation velocity to increase the motion would remain direct it is uncertain whether this completely satisfies the conditions of the most distant planets as it is maintained by some that the primitive system went no further than saturn and that uranus and neptune joined later but the fact that their satellites do still move in the retrograde direction does not demand such an assumption as it is almost a corollary to kirkwood's reasoning that the diminishing effect of solar tides would be more marked in those early stages and might have been just too small to overcome the retrograde motion of the outermost bodies including as has been hinted before the furthest satellite of saturn another effect of the diminution of velocity by tidal friction is gradually to increase the distance between planet and satellite in accordance with kepler's third law so that the ultimate distance of a satellite depends on its tide-raising capacity this is given by nolan as a reason why jupiter's small fifth satellite is so close to the surface of the planet namely that it is too small to cause an appreciable tide the two innermost planets moreover have no satellites and a very similar reasoning shows that their rotation was so speedily brought to agree with their revolution that no opportunity was given for the throwing off of a satellite the critical case of the earth between planets with no satellites and planets with more than one is quite unique for our solitary moon is far bigger in proportion than any other satellite in the solar system the accepted explanation consistent with the tidal theory is that it was so long before the tidal effect diminished sufficiently to allow the earth to throw off a satellite 
that its condensation and solidification had reached a far later stage than was the case with the outer planets so that the moon when it finally did break away with a calculated rotation period of less than two and a half hours was quite a considerable fraction of the whole mass how long ago even this took place may be roughly inferred from the fact that the lengthening of the month in historical times is almost inappreciable but that nevertheless the moon's rotation has slackened since that far-off epoch in the ratio of two or three hundred to unity it is also fairly clear that such a change could not have occurred in such a way to any of the other planets as it is only the comparatively great size of the moon that rendered it capable of producing sufficiently powerful tides all other satellites in the solar system must have been thrown off if thrown off they were before the condensation of their primaries one other notable anomaly is the case of phobos the only ordinary satellite revolving faster than its primary a condition of things whose possibility was denied by laplace wolf following roche's ideas considers that this may be due to phobos having been thrown off from a high martian latitude where the velocity would be smaller than in the normal equatorial case and it seems probable that since the tidal effect in the case of a satellite travelling faster than its primary is in the opposite direction and tends to shorten both periods the ultimate fate of phobos will be to draw nearer and nearer to the surface of mars and at last rejoin the parent body the interior portion of saturn's ring also appears to rotate much faster than saturn but this cannot be explained in the same way though as we have seen there is some slight evidence that it may be drawing nearer to the planet's surface variations of the nebular hypothesis have from time to time appeared in the endeavor to reconcile various anomalies by modifications of laplace's original idea they mostly however succeed in destroying the simplicity which was the great charm of the hypothesis and are not much more satisfactory in other ways roche of montpelier principally remembered for his announcement in eighteen forty eight of a limiting distance of about two and a half radii from a planet within which a stable satellite could not exist known as roche's limit was also responsible for the suggestion referred to in the case of phobos of traine elliptique coming from the polar regions to disturb the distribution of angular momentum and cause equatorial disruption at intervals supplying a sort of theoretical basis for bode's law fay in his sur l'origine du monde eighteen eighty four departed more from tradition than roche substituting for laplace's stratified nebula a vast cluster of particles and on his hypothesis uranus and neptune are the newest planets the others having been formed earlier and drawn in towards the sun as its gravitating power increased in consequence of the meteoric condensation that would take place in the cluster in favor of his scheme it can be said that it was the first that could admit comets in which fay was particularly interested as original members of the system and also evaded some geological difficulties connected with the assumed age of the sun by considerably antedating the world's beginning against it is among other objections the improbability of a limit of similar conditions falling between saturn and uranus and not in the more obvious transition region occupied by the minor planets which separate the solid planets from the outer nebulous globes more recently r de la evolved in eighteen ninety seven a modification of Faye's doctrine 
attempting to account mechanically for the phases of condensation required. Haphazard motion of particles in different directions, tending to bring about collisions which by destroying angular momentum would cause a continual fall of suddenly arrested matter to the center of the system, was the feature of the scheme by which he was led, as a corollary, to the statement that the original state of things is best illustrated by casual unperturbed comets. The original nebula of Laplace was gaseous, the more recently suggested ones more like clouds of dust, but beyond the idea of primitive nebula of one kind or the other, little can be said to survive modern criticism. We have already referred to the planetesimal hypothesis as likely to hold the field in the near future, and shall return to the subject when we reach the discussion of nebulae. It may be stated here, in connection with anomalies in the solar system, that Professor F. R. Moulton claims, by the new hypothesis, to account for nearly all the observed general features of the system, such as the equatorial acceleration of the sun, the infrequency of retrograde motions, the small eccentricity, high temperature, low density, and rapid rotation of the larger planets, the rapid motion of Phobos, the eccentricity of Phoebe, and the various anomalies of asteroid orbits. Admitting this, it seems to account for all the facts explained by older hypotheses, and for at least some where they have failed, and to have so far met no insuperable obstacle. It is supported on geological grounds by Professor Chamberlain, who sees in it a plausible explanation of such refractory problems as the distribution of land and water and the Carboniferous Era. End of chapter 26